place, Father. Thank you so much for the people of God that are here. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, guys. So when I was a kid, I planted, do you guys remember in school when they give you like a seed and they tell you and they give you a little cup and they tell you go home and make this little thing, make a little plant? Anybody, anybody else do that other than me? Okay. Well, I got all into that because I'd never been in charge. My parents didn't let me in charge of very much stuff. So I was like, all right, this is something important. So I went home. I had the little cup and little soil and I think mine had a little worm or something. Anyway, so I put it in there and I got all happy. I was like, oh, and I try to water it. Man, how long did it take for that thing to just like, the seed ended up on top of the ground. I was like, what's going on here? And I was all trying to put in sunlight. It got all jacked up, is my point. It died like in four days. And I thought I was doing a good job. I was a little kid. So like I pour a lot of water in there, you know, like, then I'd put it, like I'd hold it outside, like, come on, where's it at? And, you know, go put it in the sunlight. But you know, it still died. And I remember thinking about, man, I'm a loser. I can't even keep, you know, this little styrofoam coffee cup plant, you know, alive long enough. And I was always ruining stuff. I got fish at the fish pond one time. I remember you win that little prize and they give you a Ziploc at the little carnivals and then you take it home and it's already half dead already going sideways. And, and then the egg, you remember the egg when you're like, take care of it, it's your child. And then I, I scrambled it in two days because I got hungry. You know, I'm like, but I never really quite did very well at these things. But the reason I bring up that story is because today what I'm going to be talking about is directly related to seeds, right? There's sermon sheets on the back. I don't know if some of you guys got them. I put a stack back there. If you guys don't have them, just let one of the ushers know, then get them to you guys. Uh, I'm a lot like pastor in the sense that I like to put my, uh, my stuff together on notes, and that way you guys can kind of fill in some stuff, keep you guys awake and proactive. I do move a lot, so you guys will see me all over the place. So for those that, you know, get seasickness, I apologize. Just, you know, take, a, take an aspirin or something like that. But today's my message I entitled is, what's your heart, quote unquote, made of, right? What is your heart made of? Uh, and you'll see what I'm getting at when I talk about that as it correlates even to the story I just told about the seed as a little boy. Um, we're going to start first by reading a scripture out of Matthew. So he's going to go ahead and pull that up. If you guys have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to pull it up on screen. It's covering Matthews 1 through 23, but I'm going to kind of bounce around. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and then I'm going to read the last five verses, right? So but just before we start reading this, just to kind of tell you what's going on in this scripture, uh, Jesus is in a boat talking to a mass of people. And he's giving them a picture story called a parable. Okay, a picture story called a parable. So let me, ooh, good save, Lewis. Let me get my paper out here. Don't worry, I believe in the Bible. I just type my verses up so that way I don't have to have it here. So don't think I'm like, you know, making stuff up here. Okay, Matthew 13. I'm going to start with verses 1. Um, the same day Jesus left the house and sat by the Sea of Galilee. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat. He sat in the boat while the entire crowd stood on the shore. Then he used stories as illustrations to tell him many things. He said, listen, a farmer went to plant seed. Some seeds were planted along the road and birds came and devoured them. Other seeds were planted on rocky ground where there was little soil. Okay, so we got right there, we got some seeds on the road, the dirt road, and birds devoured them. Other seeds were planted on rocky ground where there was very little soil, okay? The plants on that ground sprouted quickly because the soil wasn't deep. You do it right here. Yeah, it's right there. It's cool. But the sun came up. They were scorched. They withered because the roots weren't deep enough. Other seeds were planted among thorn bushes. And the thorn bushes grew up and they choked them. Okay? But lastly, and hopefully you guys know this one, the other seeds that were planted on good ground, good soil, and they produced grain. They produced 160 or 30 times as much as was planted. 
Let's fast forward to verse 18. Listen to what the story about the farmer means. Someone hears the word about the kingdom, but doesn't understand it. The evil one comes at once and snatches away what was planted in him. This is what the seed planted along the road illustrates, okay? The seed planted along rocky ground, right here, is a person who hears the word and accepts it once with joy. Since he doesn't have a root, it lasts only a little while. But when suffering or persecution comes along because of the word, he immediately falls from his faith. The seed planted on thorn bushes is another person who hears the word, but the worries of life and the pleasures of riches choke out the word so that it can't produce anything. But the seed that's planted on good ground is the person who hears and understands the word. This type produces crops or fruit. They produce 160 or 30 times as much as was planted. Thank you, volunteers, for helping me out with this. So we got different ideas here. We don't want to get it too dirty, but my wonderful assistants here brought us some dirt, which is the, the path. Okay, then we got the rocks, which is a rocky ground. Thorny ground, which bled my finger picking them out. And then we got the good ground, right? Okay, so we're trying to understand this parable that Jesus gave us. We got to look at what these mean. So we got the four types of soils. You got the road, the rocks, you got the thorns, and you got fertile ground for those that are writing stuff down, okay? Pretty basic, right? So we take a look at each one of those, and we got to understand, first of all, what does this represent? Because if you're out there and you've read this story, which I'm sure a lot of you have, because it's in three of the four Gospels, you probably think, well, I know what this all means, but let's, let's make sure we do understand this. There's actually a duality, meaning that there's a dual meaning, a double meaning to what this can actually mean for us. This can either be a different season in somebody's life that we go through, right? We can go through seasons of life where we feel like we're, we're here, and then we can go through seasons of life where we get to where we're right here. So that's one way of kind of looking at it. But then others could say, well, it also can mean, and I believe this, it can also mean how we willingly receive God's message in some areas of our life, right, but in others we don't. For instance, for instance, there's Christians that say, well, when it comes to, uh, you know, being good and being generous and giving my money to the church, well, I'm over here, man, that's no big deal. I'm, I'm, I got the soil and it's good soil and I'm ready to rock. But when it comes to not sleeping with your girlfriend or boyfriend, well, I'm kind of down here in this area, you know, I'm kind of, you know, struggling with these things. I'm kind of going through these, these phases right here. So you can have that place in your life where it can be something where it applies to certain areas in your life. Nonetheless, we're going to learn about what the Bible has to say, okay? But to do that, Jesus went ahead and explained what this all meant, so that way we, as common folk, we understand each piece of what everything is. So let's go ahead and look at the symbols. The symbols, what are the symbols? Okay, well, the ground, okay, this ground, all these are parts of a ground, okay? And if you guys know anything about houses, some of these houses are built on this kind of ground, some are that ground, hopefully they're not on that ground, and some on that ground, right? The same thing with planting, right? If I look at that plant right there, granted it's fake, okay? But if it doesn't have firm soil, fertile soil, and if it was real, obviously, then it wouldn't grow, okay? If this thing starts growing, I'm going to freak out because it's not real, okay? But what the Bible says is the ground is the heart of man. The seed, okay, I didn't bring up this for my snacks, okay? The seed is the word of God. So what does that mean? Well, you know, you got people come to church. You got people that, you know, hear about Jesus, right? However they hear about Jesus, whether it's a missionary or whether it's a pastor or whether it's someone in their family, every time the word of God is preached, it's another seed, right? So some of us have had tons of seed pours on our lives, and some of us maybe have had only one or two, depending on who we're around and how old we are and some of our life experiences. The point is, the seed is the word of God, okay? What is the word of God? It's the message of salvation, okay? So you got the ground is your heart, the seed is the word of God, the message of salvation, then we got the birds devouring. The Bible says here that 
on this ground that the birds came and devoured it, right? I got any volunteers that got birds that can come and devour this real quick? No? All right. I didn't think so, but if you do, let me know. I don't want to see this big raven coming at me. All right, so the birds actually came, right? And the Bible says they devoured the seed on this ground, right? Well, the Bible tells us that that's actually Satan stealing it away. So that's Satan's theft, right? It comes and it snatches it away, okay? And we're going to go into that here more in a second. Then it says over here where the rock is, it says that this right here, that this seed is scorched by the sun's heat. So this is why that seed, that seed won't grow, right? Because the sun is so bright and so hot, especially in San Antonio, man. I don't know. You can plant anything, right? I mean, it's hot here. So be honest, that seed, it's getting scorched, getting scorched. And because it's on rocks, it's not up beneath the soil, that's going to die. So that represents life's problems, okay? The sun's heat represents life's problems. Then we got these thorns over here, okay? I got to cut some of these off at my mom's house. My mom's here, by the way. She's right there. She's in the orange with a big hat on. So anyways, yeah, that's my mom. She's... She's great sitting right behind me the whole time. And so these thorns right here, i got to be careful. These represent, for those of you that have never grabbed thorns, okay, they hurt, okay? But what thorns do is whenever they're actually, and, and keep in mind that this time in Israel, they're actually these big thorn bushes. These are Americanized thorn bushes. They're not the same, but they're thorny nonetheless. But what the thorns did is they actually would choke out. They would choke out what's growing because it can't grow through the thorns, and so it would choke out. Imagine if we had this type of tree with a bunch of thorns around it. Well, that tree wouldn't make it because... Like a weed, these will choke it out, okay? So what that represents, the choking thorns represents life's passions, okay? All the passions of life, the things that we like to do, that the world tells us to do. That's what that represents. And then lastly, we got, of course, the fertile ground, the good soil, okay? The expensive stuff at Lowe's, right? Okay? The real good, the good stuff, yeah? Like the actual dirt, real dirt, okay? That you can actually filter through your hands. It doesn't have, like, uh, big clumps and stuff. That represents fruit bearing or bearing of fruit, Okay? And we're going to go into what all this means. So hopefully everybody follows me so far where we're going with this, okay? Now, we got that set up, and we're going to roll forward, okay? Going forward, we got to see, okay, what does this represent? Got it. We got the pictures. Now what we're going to take it a step, step further. Do you guys know that the seed, if you plant a seed in, in ground, and you put some water, and you put some sunlight, it will grow, obviously. But it takes the right amount of sunlight, the right amount of water, and the right amount of care and atmosphere for that to happen. So there's a lot of things involved in that, right? But did you know if you don't water, you don't put the right amount of light, the right amount of water, the right amount of soil, the right atmosphere, that seed will die within a few days with nothing. And depending on how many seeds are planted, likely chances all of them won't make it with little to no water or sunlight, okay? So the shelf life of seeds isn't very long for a fresh, newly planted seed, okay? So what I want to show you guys is how each of these actually represents the picture. First of all, we're going to go to the Bible because the Bible is where we want to anchor everything in. The Bible is where I take my examples from. I can use examples from the world, but ultimately, if you can go to the Bible, again, again that's where we believe, and that's where we're going to go. So we're going to start by looking at the roots. But in order to see the roots, I'm going to show you examples in the Bible of people that had problems in these areas. So we start with soil one. People we think of with this kind of issue right here, the same stealing the seed away. People that come to mind, my, in my mind right now are the Pharisees. Anybody here know who the Pharisees were? They were people in Jesus' time that didn't understand, okay, they didn't understand what he was saying, so they believed him to be not of God. They believed him to be false or a false prophet, or even at times they, blamed, they said he was of Satan, okay? So these are people that didn't understand, okay? A second soil right here for people that get, that get to this place right here and the concerns of their life, the concerns, the worries of the world. A good Bible example of this, anybody ever heard of a lady in the Bible named Martha? Anybody heard of her? She was concerned one time when Jesus came in the house 
And she was like a little tornado, you know. And, and I love my mom. She's the same way. My mom will clean and cook, and she's awesome, right? And you go in there, and you're like, man, you, she make a steak dinner in 10 minutes, right? And so you go in there, but this is how Martha was, but she was so concerned with getting everything in order that she failed to miss the presence of Jesus. She failed to miss the presence of Jesus because she was so wrapped up in the worries of life. So we got some Pharisees that Satan has literally stolen, stolen the seeds because these are people that were told and planted many, many seeds in the Jewish history, but yet they, 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 they were stolen. It was stolen by Satan because they, they literally traded their understandings for their own ways. And then you have people like Martha who get wrapped up in the world and their concerns in it that they fail to miss that Jesus is right there with them. And then we get to this place, right, where the thorns are, okay, and the thorns are a lot of us. Let's just be honest. The thorns are choking, choking us out. They're choking us out with stuff in the world that looks good, right? Whether it's basketball or whether it's sex or whether it's, it can be something so material or it can be something so deep. Whatever it is, it can be something that chokes us out, that calls us to give more to the world than to give to God. And a good example of, of that in the Bible is a man, many of us don't know his name, but if you look, he's mentioned actually two times in favor of who he is by the, by the Apostle Paul. And one time, he's mentioned as being a lover of the world and deserting the faith, and his name is Demas. This is a man that actually ran with Paul, and he was doing stuff for the kingdom. But the Bible said, and if you, you, know, you, you want to look it up later, it's in 2 Timothy 4, 9 and 10. It says, Demas began to love the world, and therefore, he no longer was with Paul. So this is a man like us who's coming to church and hanging out and doing things for the Lord, but became in love with the world that he deserted everything. He deserted, he abandoned it. And then we got soil four, right? This is the good stuff, right? And for... We got many examples, but one I like to look at is Peter. Why do I look at Peter? Because, as Jeff talked about very well last week, Peter, man, he made a lot of mistakes. But in it all, in it all, Peter's heart was fertile, and he produced a fruit. He produced a crop. And if you read the book of Acts and read some of the gospels he writes, and, or some of the, some of the, uh, some of the, the epistles he writes, he, he went on to do amazing things for the Lord, despite his failures, despite his mess-ups. So as we see all the pictures of each one of them, we can say, man, Lewis, you know, that makes sense. Each one of those you're saying. But not only can we take those and say, okay, that makes sense, we can also see counterexamples for each. We can also see one down here that, yes, you say the Pharisees all have this, this stolen seed, right? But there was a couple of Pharisees that came to Jesus. If you read John chapter 3, the Bible says a man named Nicodemus came to him at night and he said, you know, how much, how much, what must I do to be born again? So he came. Why did he do that? Well, he wanted to understand it. It was Jesus that explained that to him. And if you read John chapter 3, verses 1 through 20, you're going to see you're going to see that Nicodemus is told the secret of life. And I believe that all my heart that Nicodemus is a safe man because he chose to try to understand. I find it very interesting as we look in these verses. I find it very interesting that the Bible says that the crowds gathered around to listen to Jesus talk in the boat to the crowds. But the Bible says the disciples asked him, why do you speak in parables? The crowds didn't ask him. The disciples asked him. What does that say? They chose to find out why Jesus is masking these things in pictures. And Jesus told him, those that have ears, let them hear. And what he's trying to tell him is, if you want to try to understand the deeper teachings, you're going to want to go deeper. You're going to want to ask. You're going to want to sit and listen. You're going to want to wait. You're going to want to come and hang out with me. But if you don't want to, you're just going to sit out there. You're not going to care. You're going to do your own thing, and you're going to go away. And it's not going to make any sense. And that's when Satan moves in. That's when he steals your seed. So you have the Pharisees. The counterexample there is Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, but yet he chose to take the time to make a time for Jesus and to come seek him at night so he can study Jesus. Then you have this example. We gave an example here of Martha. Look at her sister Mary. 
That's the counterexample. Mary went in there, and she waited at Jesus' feet while Martha was busy. She waited at Jesus' feet. Now, I'm not trying to throw Martha to the coals. I don't believe Martha went to hell. The Bible actually says that she was a believer in Christ later, if you read the gospel account of the Lazarus story. But what I'm saying is we can easily miss Jesus' presence because we're so busy. We get so wrapped up that we forget, hey, man, it's about Jesus. We get so wrapped up in our programs. We get so wrapped up at work. We get so wrapped up serving in ministry that we forget, man, this is about Jesus Christ. It's not like, it's not about anything else. You know what I'm saying? If it's not about Christ, then what's it about? You know what I'm saying? And I, I've been a, gul a culprit of that myself, so I'm, I'm speaking to my own self here, okay? So we got Martha, and then we got our counterpart, Mary. Then over here, we look at these thorns, right? And we say, we, we talked about Demas, right? Who was this man who ran with Paul and did all these things, but then he deserted him for the world. But then we got the counterpart. Anybody ever heard of a little man in the Bible named Zacchaeus? A little small dude, right? The Bible says he ran up a tree, probably something like that, because he was small. He can go in there, and he looked out there and saw Jesus, right? He saw Jesus coming. This man was a rich man. People knew him. People didn't like him, right? The Bible says on his own conviction. Nobody told him to do it. The Bible says that he gave of his own accord. He gave money to the ministry. He gave it to the poor. He gave it to people. Why? Because Zacchaeus knew that something was different in his life. He knew that this man, Jesus, who went and had dinner with him, there was something different going on. So he gave of himself to show that he was real, to show that this was real, and he didn't allow. So this is a counterpart of Demas who deserted after running with him. That's a, like a lot of us here at the church, right? You're coming to this church, and you're like, hey, man, I like this place. I like, oh, man, all of a sudden, you know, oh, well, well something else is, something better is up around the corner. Oh, you know what? There's a sin in my life that I'd rather get myself involved into. Or, hey, you know what? I can work on Sundays and make a lot more money than if I show up to church. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to stop going. I'm just not going to be a part of that church anymore, but I'm still all right. Well, no, you're not. You know what I'm saying? You're, I mean, you can fool yourself, but you've got to ask yourself what's the question. And I'm not here to try to, you know, whatever. Everybody's got, you know, Dr. Jesus who can work on your own heart. You know, I'm not going to try to dissect you. But you've got to let Jesus kind of infiltrate those areas, right? But unlike that, Zacchaeus, who was admittedly a sinner, admittedly ripping people off, admittedly rich, and his power was his money, right? He traded that over so that he could follow Jesus, right? So which is the better of the two? The guy that comes to church and is really a hypocrite and is ready to leave at any given moment for anything else that has a better offer? Or a man that's admittedly a sinner that's willing to trade it in when he hears the truth? You figure it out, right? right? I think we know, right? And then we got the last soil, right? And this is the soil, right? This is Peter. We said, Peter, man, you know, Peter did some mess-ups, but he ended it all. He, he ran with Jesus. He died crucified upside down. His counterpart, fellow disciple named Judas Iscariot. You guys might know him. You might know him as a betrayer. You might know him as the one that turned Jesus over. But the Bible says that if you look at Judas, if you look at his example, and you can look it up in Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 through 16, it says that Judas betrayed him for silver. And the Bible showed in, in the scriptures that Judas was a man whose heart had never been con converted to Christ. It had never been converted. So Satan, Satan was easily poisoned. Why? Because Judas, like many people at the church, they come and they become a part of a church instead of becoming a part of Christ. They become a part of a religion instead of part of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you can't do that. See, what Judas was is he had Jesus here, but he had no Jesus here. And it's that eight inches that's going to take a lot of us to hell many times. Because you can know all about Jesus here, but until you have him here, it's just a moot point, you know what I'm saying? And this is what happened with Judas. It's exactly what happened with Judas. So you guys are saying, oh, man, Lewis, you know, you're busting all that out, but, you know, give me something I can relate to. You know, some of you teens are like, man, I don't even read my Bible. Who's all these people you're talking about? Okay, I'll give you some modern examples. Everybody wants some modern examples. All right, I'm going to give you some, okay? Anybody heard of a lady named Oprah Winfrey? Yeah, we all heard of her, right? Man, some, people, some of you guys, TiVo her, watch her, love her, buy her books, buy her movies, whatever. That's fine. I'm not, here to, I'm not here to tell you otherwise. I'm here to give you the facts, and the facts is all I'm giving you, right? 
Oprah Winfrey's got over 100 million followers on her Twitter, Facebook, all these things, right? She is one of the richest women in the world. Admittedly, the, you know, she will tell you that, and she will, you know, she's done some great things. Let's not take away from some of the amazing things she's done for women, for children, for blacks, for a lot of people. But I will say this, Oprah calls herself a Christian, but if you dig deeper, and you do some of the research, and you go online, and you read her mantras, and you talk to some of the people she's talked to and hangs out with, and you look at some of her old shows, Oprah admittedly says she's a Christian, but yet on the other side of the mouth, she says that Jesus is not the only way to heaven, that there's other ways to heaven, that you can get to heaven through other gods, through other forms. She said that Christ did not come to die on a cross for our salvation. He came to give us an example of how to live. Well, no, don't get me wrong. Jesus is our example, but we very much need that death. You know what I'm saying? I'm not about to go put myself on a cross, nor do I think any of you guys are about to. Amen. So I, I, I don't agree with her in that, in that point. And she starts trying to pawn it off, and now she's saying, well, when you die, and, and she believes in this whole new earth and this post-new age modern stuff, she believes when you die, you know, that you become part of another being, and you, there's an unhidden element that you don't know where you go, but you're basically part of a bigger source, and a bunch of jargon, a bunch of stuff that's like, come on, man, you know, what, what are you? Just call it what it is. But Oprah's a perfect example of where she grew up. If you guys know her story, she grew up, I believe, Southern Baptist. She grew up in the church. They used to call her a little preacher when she was little because she knew the word of God, but she's allowed Satan to steal away the things. She admittedly said on one of her shows, she said, I lost the love that I understood and my understanding for Jesus when I read in the Bible that God is a jealous God because I don't understand how God can be jealous of me. I'm just a human. Oprah, what are you, dumb? That's not what he means. What's wrong with you? He doesn't mean I'm jealous of you. He means he's jealous you to him, not I'm jealous of you. Why would he be jealous of her? No offense, but I mean, she ain't all that. Come on, you know? I mean, yeah, she's rich and all that, but why would God be jealous of her? He could flick her and she'd be dead. You know what I'm saying? Like, she didn't understand that, so instead of trying to understand it, like Nicodemus, trying to understand it, like some of, the, some of our, our people that need to understand the word, instead of pursuing Christ and reading her word and going to Bible college or coming to the Restoration Center, no. She went and made her own decisions to follow false teachers, false doctrines, and this is what you see. Okay, so some of y'all relate to that. Some of y'all know, okay, that's Oprah, okay. Then we got another guy. Some of y'all might know this man. This guy's name is Charles Templeton. Charles Templeton, for those that don't know, is a man who died in 01. Anybody ever heard of a man named Billy, Billy Graham? Billy Graham, anybody? Two people, four people? Okay, so you guys heard of him. All right, let's Google him, okay? He's still alive, not doing well in his age. He's in his 90s now, but Billy Graham is one of the most prolific preachers of this past century. He's, 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 he's a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist. He's done amazing things for the Lord. They say over, over 100,000 people have come to, to know Christ because of him. Okay, not to mention the people who have actually gone to his crusades, right? Billy Graham started his ministry off, and when he first started off, he ran with a man named Charles Templeton. Well, Charles Templeton and Billy Graham were like blood brothers, you know? You guys know that. You, you got somebody in life where God puts you all together for ministry, and they were doing awesome things for God. But then they hit a roadblock. And when I say they, I mean Charles. Charles Templeton came to a place in life where he had to hit the pause button. He looked around, and he saw people dying in Africa. He saw people starving. He saw wars going on, because this was in the 40s and 50s. And he saw all these things happening, and he said... I don't know that this is right. I don't really think I can believe this anymore because if we really have a God that loves us, why are all these bad things happening? Why is all this evil in the world? And so instead of pursuing after God, he decided to call himself agnostic. Fast forward, he became one of the leading atheists and wrote books. And Billy Graham always tried to talk to him and bring him back and bring him home. And people like, uh, uh, people like Billy Graham and other evangelists tried to get this guy back to a place of understanding. But because of his... his rocky ground because of his, his worries about the world and about things that are going on, he was easily, his root was never grounded there and it was burnt up. 
And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because he died in 01. And Lee Strobel, he even had a last interview, one of his last interviews, and he said, you know, even after all the truth was preached to him, he had already changed his heart and changed his mind after being on fire for God at one point in his life, turning the whole opposite direction. Because the cares and the worries of this world, hunger, starvation, war, choked out, or not choked out, but dried up, the sun scorched out that. And then we got a guy, or a girl, for some of you guys that like music, right? We got a girl named Beyonce. Who knows Beyonce? Everybody, every, you guys, uh, don't, uh, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. He's trying to trap you. You can raise your hand, man. I know who she is, all right? You guys know who she is. Destiny's Child went on her own, married a guy named J-Lo, or what's his name? Jay-Z, okay? Okay, so this girl, raised in a Christian home, I'm going to tell you right now, raised in Houston, Texas, Christian home with her sister and her friends, her family, brought to church. You guys seen her videos, probably own some of her CDs. I'm not out to chastise you guys about that. We'll check your cars in the parking lot as you guys sit here, so don't worry. <laughs> my point is, my point is, I have, a, I do what, what, I, I, what I like to do sometimes, I call it getting real. Sorry, I'm getting hot, I'm gonna take this off. I, I call it getting real, and sometimes what I mean by that is we as Christians, we try to pitter-patter around certain things in life, and we just need to get, get real about them. And I got a few of those get real segments in this, in this little little message I got for you guys, but getting real number one is, I don't want to hear your, I'm a survivor, I'm going to make it, I'm going to get naked, whatever she's saying on there, right? <laughs> and she's doing, you know, cell phone commercials and gyrating in front of the TV, right? And then she tells me, one of the lines in that Survivor song, the reason I'm using that song, is she says, I'm not going to compromise my Christianity, right? She says that. If you follow the words and you kind of look between the lines and, you know, I'm better than that or whatever they're saying in there, right? And the girls in the background... She says something about, I'm not going to compromise my Christianity because my mama or my daddy or my whoever, Jay-Z, taught me better than that. Whatever, right? I'm like, man, how are you going to, okay, again, I'm just getting real with you guys. Don't throw rocks or whatever you guys throw at me. I, I got the rocks here, so we're good. Okay. Let's stop faking the funk. Okay, let's just be real. Okay. What are you going to not compromise your Christianity when your boobies are coming out and you're like all like this up on the TV, you know, <laughs> you know doing the snake? You're compromising something. Okay, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I'm just telling you guys because I, I find it hard to believe. You know, I, I, want, I want to believe that she's a Christian. But, you know, she married a Freemason. Okay, that right there. This guy's got more swear words on his albums that, than I even think there's in the swear word dictionary. That guy swears it up. And then she's over there gyrating, doing all sorts of things, clothes half coming off, talking about who knows what in her other songs. I try not to listen to those, but I know one of them's a bootylicious song. So, again, you're not compromising your Christianity. Let's just get real. People that do that, whether it's Beyonce or anyone else, I'm picking on her, so I apologize if anybody here is related to her, but I'm picking on her, right? <laughs> I'm picking on her because she's one of many Christians, and what, all they're doing is confusing the Christians who want to live a Christian life, and they see that, and they're like, but she's a Christian. Oh, but so is Oprah, so let's, wait, wait a minute, oh, oh. Or, and then you're confusing the worldly people. They're like, I might as well become a Christian. They're doing everything else the same way we're doing it. We might as well just keep it all the same and just send it up because, hey, that's what the rest of the world's doing anyways. There's no dividing line. You know, it looks like it. It tastes like it. It walks like it. You know, and it's sad. It's sad, but it's what it is. So I'm just giving you guys some examples of each of these. You know, I'm getting real with you guys. I apologize. I'm getting all crazy because I'm going to start sweating. But if we look at this, if we look at what this means, we start saying, okay, well, Let's understand what we're doing to go forward. We got to see there's four types of roots, okay? And I'm just going to go through these quickly. There's four types of roots. There's an absent root, okay? The Bible says in Matthew 13, 19 through 22, that there's an absent root, which means that there's actually no root there. And this is why many people suffer with the worldly issues, because they have no root. The second root is the root of the love of money. 
And if you guys have seen the scripture, Josh or whoever's back there could probably pull it up here, but it's going to be on the screen. The, root, the love of money is the root of all types of evil. So you have people that have no root, then you have people that love money more than anything else, and they're rooted in that, okay? The third type of root you have is actually mentioned in Hebrews chapter 12, and this root is actually a root of bitterness. It's a root of bitterness. You got that scripture back there? Yeah, sorry, I'm going fast. The root of bitterness in, in the book of Hebrews, I'm going to read it to you guys. Listen to what it says. It says this. It says, try to live peaceably with everyone and try to live holy lives because if you don't, you will not see God. Make sure that everyone has kindness from God so that bitterness doesn't take root and grow up to cause trouble. It corrupts many of you. That's an issue, man. I'm not, again, getting real again. I have like four of these, so I'm just going to do my little thing real quick. When I first got saved, I met a lot of Christians that were bitter, just straight up. And I thought, like, man, you know, here I'm all excited, like happy I got saved, not going to hell, all this stuff. And I'm thinking, like, what's your deal? <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? Like, because you couldn't tell you couldn't tell that they really, oh, thank you, brother. You couldn't tell that they were saved by the look on their face. And so it's like, we want to attract people, forget church, to just be Christian, but yet we look like we just, you know, sucked on a lemon, you know, and we were like mad, you know what I'm saying? And so, anybody got a lemon out there? Oh, there we go. Sweet. It looks like we just, yeah, that's a good catch, right? It looks like we just sucked on a lemon for about an hour. And some of us just do that. Like, I'm going to go to church today. And they walk around like they, you know, like what I'm saying? Anybody want that? But that's my point. If, if we're going to be a Christians, let's start with a smile. Let's start with some joy in our lives. We're going to heaven, guys. Come on. Have a, I know things aren't going great sometimes, but come on. Come on. We're never going to get across to other people like that. Okay, getting real done there. Okay, so then the last root. We got the absent root. We got the love of money. Okay. We got the bitter root. Okay. And then we got the Jesus root. Okay, the Bible says in John 15, 1 through 8, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The vine there is referring to him being the root, okay? And we're going to go more into that scripture later. So those are the four roots we have. But now, in order to understand the roots, we've got to ask the question, well, what happens to those that aren't rooted in Christ? And you need to see this because nobody wants to ever hear the bad side. They just want the good stuff. No, I tell you the bad stuff because that's what Jesus did. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. He's going to put it up there. I'm going to read it for you because I want you to know what happens if you don't have the right root, if you don't have the Jesus root? The Bible says this. It says, and this is John the Baptist talking. He says, but when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to be baptized, John said to them, you poisonous snakes, who showed you how to flee from God's coming anger? Do those things that prove you have turned to God, do those things prove you've turned to God and change the way you think and act? Don't think you can say Abraham's our ancestor. I can guarantee that God can raise up descendants by Abraham, for Abraham from these stones. The axe is now ready to cut the roots of the trees. Any tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown to the fire. What is John saying? He's saying there's a lot of people that go out there and act good. A lot of people. They're going to go out there, they're going to give money, they're going to do stuff. Angelina Jolie says she gives all sorts of money to Africa AIDS. And that's a great thing. That's an awesome thing. But what is the root? If it's not rooted in Christ, it's what's the good of it? What's the good of it? We're going to go more into the fruits here in a second, but the root is what I'm addressing. If I look at this tree, and that's why I have it here, we got to address the root, because if this isn't good, none of this matters. None of it matters unless what's under the dirt, and that's what we're here to talk about today. What is your heart rooted in today? What is your heart rooted in? So we're going to go into, this, into the fruit side before we wrap up. So we have three, four types of roots, and we actually have four types of fruits on those papers. I think I actually only put three. It's actually four, so I'm going to start with the first one that I missed. And the rest of them are two, two, three, four. But the Bible says that we have four types. So I'm going to go again with the Bible. I'm not making this up. 
There's the worthless fruit. If we look at Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, it's worthless. Thank you, Brother Steve. Brother Steve's going to set me up here. Yeah, you can just take it out, buddy. Check this out. So we got the worthless fruit. The worthless fruit, yeah, that's fine right there, is a fruit that we do. The Bible says it's like filthy rags, right? So look at this fruit. Man, I know. Seriously, I should go get a refund, right? Look at that. Anybody want one? No. no, no. It makes good banana bread, I understand. But, like, if you look at this stuff, this was once good fruit, right? If we were to look at this fruit in its ripest form, it was good at one point. But when you go to heaven, this is worthless. This, it's, it's rotten. It's bad. Look at that, man. That looks like my, my head when I shave it. It's got all that lumps on it. Look at that. Golly, all the times I've fallen down. Yeah, I'm clumsy. But, I mean, check it out, right? But this was once looked pretty. It once looked like this kind of fruit down here that we're going to talk about. At one point in time, it looked healthy. It looked good, okay? So this is worthless fruit. Why? Well, it's worthless because when you go to heaven with money you gave to Africa and money you gave to your, to your, uh, to your local congressman or with people you helped across the street or with people that you donated your time to, if it's not rooted in Christ, it's all worthless, man. It's all worthless. The Bible says in Isaiah, and I'm going to read it for you again because it's the Bible. We've all become unclean. All our righteous acts are like permanently filthy rags. All of us shrivel like leaves. Our sins carry us away like the wind. Nothing we can do, guys, nothing we can do at all, nothing we can do is going to make our fruit better to God. When he looks upon it, it's going to look dirty and ugly and messed up and moldy like that because in his eyes it was worthless because it wasn't rooted in Christ. So there's worthless fruit. The second kind of fruit we have, the Bible says in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, is bad fruit, okay? You guys haven't read Galatians 5. You need to do a checklist to your heart by reading through this and seeing them. But I happen to be here with them typed up, so I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. The works of the flesh are obvious. There's illicit sex, perversion, promiscuity, idolatry, drug use, hatred, revelry, jealousy, angry outbursts, selfish ambition, conflict, factions, envy, drunkenness, wild partying, and similar things. Okay? Whatever that means. I mean, they cover pretty much all of it, but it doesn't mean much of stuff similar, right? I've told you in the past, and I'm telling you again, that people who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ouch. Some of you guys are like, oh, man, you're like throwing darts at me. Yeah, well, hey, this is a Bible, you know. If you're doing these things, but I go to church, I pray my, if you're doing these things, but I praise my hand, praise my hand, I raise my hands in praise and worship, and I go and I help out. If you're doing these things, you're going to hell. I'm not here, I'm not making the rules. I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you, if you're living in that lifestyle, you're going to hell. I'm telling the truth, okay? The Bible don't lie, okay? You don't just whoops, and stumble and have sex. You know what I'm saying? You don't just stumble upon committing a, you know, adultery the next day you planned out. You don't stumble on that. Now, I understand there's sometimes you might stub your toe in basketball and say a bad word. I'm not saying you're going to hell for that. I'm saying if you're living in these sins, the Bible's very clear, you're going to hell. So if you can have worthless fruit, you can give all the money away to all the donations you want in the world. Without Christ, you're going to hell. It might be the nicer side of hell, so you might not burn as much, but you're still burning, okay? <laughs> if you have <laughs> these bad fruits over here, see? It's so funny how everybody's staring at this section, so I'm going to come over here. You're like, Lewis, that's not fruit. And there's probably a grape or something in here somewhere we can eat. But, man, this stuff looks great, right? Because when man, you look at sex and drugs and drunkenness and partying and alcohol and girls and guys, it looks good. I guarantee you eat that, that, that versus that over there. See me in a couple months. I mean, you're going to know the person that ate that versus that. You know, it's, it has some bad consequences. Why? Because this is what the world wants you to get into. They want you to get the good stuff, man. Come on. Come on, look, cherry pet. That's a fruit. Look, cherry pesky. Look at that. Come on. Get on in there. And it looks great. Man, some of you guys are going to do an altar call and sit right there. I know you all are. 
and be like, hey, you need prayer? Like, what are you, why is your face all red, all big red? You don't need prayer. You don't need prayer. You need Jenny, Jenny Craig. But you guys, that's what I'm saying. It looks great, right? Nobody wants to sit and stare over here like, golly, that whole watermelon, what I got to do? I got to pop that open with my, fu- my fist or something. But, and nobody's going to, you know. But my point is, that's what the world wants you to do. It's bringing you in, but it leads to hell. So we got worthless fruit. We got bad fruit. We got absent fruit. Luke 13, verses 6 through 9. Check this out. It says this. Jesus used this illustration. He said, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. He went to look for fruit on the tree, but didn't find any. He said to the gardener, for the last three years, I've come to look for figs on this tree, but I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should we use up good soil? The gardener replied, sir, let it stand for one more year. I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. Maybe next year it'll have some figs, but if not, then I'll cut it down. Hmm. Think about that. So some of us have been Christian for a while, and we, we haven't shown anything yet. We're just sitting around. We're not doing anything. We're not showing any goodness. We're not showing any of the fruits of the Spirit. We're not showing any discipleship to other people. We're just sitting around doing nothing. And God's saying, hey, man, I've given you time. Some of y'all have been months. Some of y'all have been years. Some of y'all have been decades. And instead of producing good fruit, you've produced some other bad things, right? But you've never really produced anything for God. And in his mercy, he, in this story, he's patient. He says, well, give him a little bit more time. Let's see. Let's come back in a little bit and see what happens. But God's coming back. And that doesn't mean at the rapture. He means he's coming back in your lifetime to check on you. And I believe that he's... He's looking. He's saying, you know what? This person not doing so hot, you know? And at that point, you don't fall out of salvation. I believe that God's giving you time to, to show through your fruits, through your labor, through your works, that you do love him. And you haven't shown faithful. So you know what? God will say, depart from you. I don't, I don't know you. I don't know you because you don't want to know me. You don't want to show anything for me. As a matter of fact, you did more keeping people away from me than you ever did bringing people to me. You did more to show the fruits of the flesh than you did the fruits of the spirit. So I never knew you. So I'm just basically saying... You know, yes, you came in an altar call. Yes, you came to church. Yes, you heard good messages. But you've never done anything with this seed. So you're not one of my children. And that's a hard word. None of us want to hear that, but it's a hard word. So you got the worthless fruit. you got the bad fruit. you got the absent fruit. As you see, it's not up here. And then you got the good fruit. That's what everybody wants to hear, right? Well, it's not tasty. It's not as tasty as that stuff. But it's good for your spirit, right? And this is the fruit of the spirit, right? And if you guys have your Bibles, you know what the fruit of the spirit is. And for those that don't, I'm going to tell you, the Bible says in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruits of the Spirit produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no laws against anything like that. It's an awesome thing. So the fruits of the Spirit, if you display those guys, if you just actually focus your energies on actually living the fruits of the Spirit, you got so many people that want to get involved in the gifts of the Spirit, but they don't show the fruits. I'll be honest with you right now. I'd rather see somebody living with the fruits of the Spirit than trying to pursue the gifts of the Spirit any day of the week. And, and that's just how I feel, and I believe that God's, God's heart for us. If we can't live with the fruits of the Spirit, don't be going around trying to speak in tongues and try to prophesy if, if you can't even stop cheating on your wife. You know, let's just be real. Come on, you know. I don't want to hear all that stuff, you know. You know, and so what I'm saying is this. The Bible says that's fruits of the Spirit. And another verse I forgot to put on there, but I want to read to you guys because it is referenced in our Bible. And again, I want to give glory to God's Bible. John 4, 36 through 38, if you want to pop that up there. John 4, 36 through 38 says this. So not only are the fruits of the Spirit part of our fruit, but it's this. The person, this is Jesus speaking, the person who harvests the crop is already getting paid. He's gathering grain for eternal life. So the person who plants the grain and the person who harvests it are happy together. In this respect, the saying is true. One person plants, another person harvests. I've sent you to harvest a crop that you have not worked for. Other people have done the hard work. And you have followed them in their work. So not only is this your fruit, guys, but God's also said, you know what? 
it's not just your fruit of being a good person, being nice and loving and patient and self-controlled, but it's also the fruit of the harvest. We also have to seek other people's lives for Jesus. We have to, guys. That's part of our fruit. If nobody ever did that, we wouldn't be here today. We're the byproduct of people who sought lives for Jesus. So we don't just stop there, right? But we also seek others for Jesus. And, and some of you guys are sitting here, and again, I'm getting real again. Eh, I don't like to talk to people about Jesus. You know, people make fun of me, and they, you know, they won't talk to me, and they think I'm a nerd, and they think I'm goofy, and they, you know, put kick me signs on my back or whatever. Well, look, man, I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's not easy being a Christian. The Bible says, blessed are these perse- that are persecuted for, the, for, for, his, for his sake, right? But I am saying this. You have no excuse not to. How do I know that? Because there's anybody, who, anybody here seen the new Transformers? Anybody? No, not yet? Sorry, I'm not going to slam the movie. It's probably a good movie. It's Christian, I'm sure, or whatever. Okay, there's Christian Transformers, right? They transform. Transform, Jesus time. Okay, so, what I'm telling you, roll out for Jesus, right? Okay, the Decepticons are the demons. Okay, so, here's the deal. I heard that movie's great. You know how many people have told me that movie's great? Like 10 people have told me that movie's great. So, we'll tell people about a great movie. We'll tell people when you buy a new car and you're driving down the street. I remember when I bought my charger. I was telling people, hey, I bought a charger. I'm real happy, right? And so I got the gas. And I was like, oh, that's not good. But I like the charger. So my point is we'll tell people about that stuff, right? Go Spurs, go. Hey, go Spurs. We'll go out there and we'll cheer all loud in front of people. We get, man, I remember I was working for the Spurs one year in the suites. And we had one Laker fan going there. I know. You Laker fans in here. I don't like y'all. There's one guy blaring Laker jersey. Yeah, in the middle of everything when Kobe hit a shot. Surrounded by Spurs people. I thought they were going to beat him up. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the other room. <laughs> Man, he stuck out like a sore thumb in yellow, cheering real loud, didn't care what people thought. Why? Because he was diehard for what he believed in. So why is it, coincidentally, oh, I'm not that type of person to tell people, oh, go Spurs, go! Yeah, I can't tell people about Jesus. I can't tell people about Jesus. Hey, did you see my charger? Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, go check it out. Yeah, you know, Jesus, it's one of those things I just tell people real gently. I just kind of show them my niceness and whatever, but I don't really, you know, it's, hey, Transformers 3 is a good movie, dude. Go check it out for real. You see the contradiction there? You see what I'm saying? I mean, we can tell people about all this other stuff, but when it comes to Jesus, that's not my thing. I'm not into all that stuff. You know, keep it on the down low, you know, R. Kelly song or something. It's like, no, don't keep it on the down low. Talk about Jesus. What's wrong with you? You know what I'm saying? Get out there and tell somebody, man. You don't know when the time is coming. Your family, your friends, people are missing the word because you're telling them about Transformers. Hey, tell them about Transformers, but hey, by the way, Jesus watched Transformers. I've talked to you about him. No, let's, let's talk about that. Jesus transforms lives. Romans 12, you read that? Okay. Hey, man, plug that in there. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to wrap this up. How are we wrapping this up? Well, in order to do that, i got to answer the question. i got to answer the question for you is, what would happen if we don't bear the fruit of Christ? Just like if we don't have Christ's fruit and we determine the Bible says it will be cut down, which means you're going to hell. What happens if we don't bear fruit for Christ? I mean, we got to answer that. And that's a question that the Bible answers for us. I'm not making it up. Again, just go to the word. The Bible says in John 15, 1 through 8, I told you I'd go back there. It says this. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father takes care of the vineyard. He removes every one of my branches that doesn't produce fruit. Listen to that. He removes every one of my branches that doesn't produce fruit. He also prunes every branch that doesn't produce fruit to make it produce more fruit. You're already clean because of what I've told you. He's talking to the disciples. Live in me, I'll live in you. A branch can't produce any fruit by itself, okay? It has to stay attached to the vine, the root. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you live in me. I am the vine, that's Jesus, you're the branches. Those who live in me while I live in them will produce much fruit, but if you don't produce any, but you can't produce anything without me. Whoever doesn't live in me is thrown away like a branch and dries up. Branches like this are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you live in me and, and what I say lives in you, then ask for anything you want, it will be yours. 
You give glory to my Father when you produce a lot of fruit and therefore shows that you are my disciples. Jesus makes it very clear, guys. I didn't make this up. It's in your own Bible. Read it. If you're not producing fruit, if you don't have him in you, and you're not in him. If you don't produce fruit, you're going to be cut down and thrown in the fire. What does that mean? Eternal damnation, unfortunately. And I hate, man, I hate telling you guys that because I love everybody here, and I love hanging out here, and we got awesome church, but I got to be real. And I, if, I, if I can't tell you that, then I'm, I'm a liar, and I'm not doing my part. We got to produce fruit. We got to produce something with what God's given us. The Bible says he's expecting that from us. He doesn't want us or ask us, please, please. No, he's saying, like, do it. It's a command. It's not a, do me this favor. Will you, you know, make a banana or something like that? No. He's telling us, like, hey, produce some fruit. You know what I'm saying? Make it happen. So in order to do that, the Bible says we got to abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. The Greek word there is to stay, continue, to dwell, to endure, to be present, to remain, to stand, or to tarry. That's all what that word means, abide in. So we got to stay in Christ. We got to continue in Christ. We got to dwell in Christ. We got to endure in Christ, be present in Christ, remain in Christ, stand in Christ, tarry in Christ. We got to do all that in Christ. Not in us, not in Jeff Gaffney, not in Pastor Crane, not in me, not in Jeff uh, Ibanez. No, we got to abide in Christ. Not abide in Restoration Center, abide in Christ. Once you do that, the Bible says you will begin to see fruit. Why? Because when you love something, when you love somebody, man, I love my wife. You know, if I don't tell anybody I love my wife, but I tell her only when we're in closed doors, and then we leave there, and I'm like, hey, get away from me. I don't want to tell you. By the way, my ring finger is on the thing, so don't think I'm not wearing it on purpose. But, okay, but my point is, okay, you're like, you don't love her, you don't have a ring on. My point is I love her, and I'm willing to tell people about her, right? But if you're not willing to do that, then do you really love that person? If I didn't say anything about my wife, she would say, do you really love me? What's going on there? You know, so you got to kind of question yourself with Jesus if you're never, ever really engaging people to see the fruit of God come through you, then, hey, what's going on? So we take all this out. We have a formula, right? We put the formula here. We put the formula. If there's no root, there's no fruit. Oh, there it is. No salvation. No root, no fruit, no salvation. It's just that simple. It's, it seems complex, but it's really that simple. See, because the question you can ask is, What if we don't abide in Jesus? Like, is there a clear-cut picture? Or, I mean, is it the end? Well, I mean, again, we can go through seasons, and maybe right now you're not abiding. But we need to abide in Christ. Because listen to what the Bible says in 2 John. I'm going to wrap up with this last piece of information um, and share a testimony with you. 2 John 1.9 says this. Everyone who doesn't abide in the doctrine of Christ doesn't have God. A person who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. That's the Bible saying this. The disciple John is saying, if you don't abide in Christ, you don't have the Father. If you don't have the Father, you can't have heaven. It's a simple equation. Again, no root, no fruit, no salvation. So I know there's a bunch of people here, and again, just being real with you guys, there's a bunch of people here getting mad now, probably even now, like, I want to leave, I want to go get that melon and slam it on his head. Hey, man, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you feel convicted, I'm sorry if you're condemned, but I'm not sorry in the sense that, I'm sorry in the sense for you, but I'm not sorry in the sense that God's got to do that because you, he's got to move people to action. He's got to move people to get saved, get real with God, get a root, get a fruit, and get moving in Christ. And if we don't do that, we're just going to get stay stuck. We're going to stay stuck in this nasty, nasty soil down here, or we're going to stay stuck in these rocks of life, constantly worrying about what's going on in the world, or we're going to get stuck in the passions of the world, the passions of, of the world that constantly eat at us. I was going to show a clip, but it's for lack of time. I'm going to just end on an example of... A person we probably all know because he's from the city or he, you know, lives in the city. Uh, David Robinson. Everybody probably heard of David Robinson, right? Whether you're a Spurs fan or not, you got to admire the guy. you got to admire the guy because of where he's come through and what he's done for, for, for the community. One, 
in the name of Jesus, right? When David Robinson went to the Navy, he was six foot eight. You guys know he, grew, he, he actually left the Navy, he grew five inches in the Navy. <laughs> so they couldn't put him on submarines anymore. He actually had to get a special thing saying, I can't go in submarines because he hit his head, right? But he came out 7-1, okay? And David Robinson started playing basketball. His first couple of years, he was, I mean, he's always awesome his whole 14-year career. But when he started with the Spurs, he wasn't a Christian. And if you look at his testimony, again, I have a testimony, but it's about eight, eight and a half minutes long. And for lack of time, I want to, for sake of time, I want to just kind of condense it. He says, in the testimony, he says, I had all these things. I had people, fans, I had good looks, I had friends and family, and I had, you know, everything anybody wants. I mean, any, any, anybody with that body, anybody with that talent, anybody with that much money, I mean, the world's your oyster, you know what I'm saying? He won all, he was already won rookie of the year, already that year. But then he was, you know, leading the league in all sorts of stats. But he said he knew something was missing. He knew at that age something was missing, something was different. And he knew that he knew about Jesus, knew about God growing up, but never made a heartfelt commitment. And so it wasn't until he did that that he knew, I need to produce for the kingdom. He knew something in him told him, I need to show people the love of Jesus through me. You know that that guy's donated over $9 million, and it's more now, but at that time, and this was when he was 37, he's in his 40s now, at that time it was $9 million to the Eastside Carver Academy. You guys heard of the Carver Academy? So that children, low-budget kids can go to school. And over 300 kids going there. And didn't name it after himself. They named it the Carver Academy, not the David Robinson Academy, because he's humble enough to realize, look, man, I'm just a person that God's using. But to this day, he still travels and speaks and prays for people. And he's one of the most nicest guys you'll ever meet. If you ever see him or talk to him, he, he, he never pretends to be bigger than himself. He's who he is. You know, he's a big guy, but he's never bigger than himself. And he gives all glory to God. Different from anybody else who gives money to any relief center or whatever, he gives all glory to Jesus Christ specifically. Specifically so that they're not these fruits, but that they're these fruits. Because now you're sowing. You're sowing seeds into those children's lives, into the community lives, the people he prayed for with the San Antonio Spurs, the people he's met through traveling through the Spurs. He's blessed many lives because much is given, much is required. And God gave that man so much. But I'm here to tell you today, as we, as we close up, I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you guys, and, and I don't know if we can get some background music or anybody, you know, jamming back here, get something going. But if you guys could just kind of think for a second, you know, I know we did a lot here. I know I'm, we've got a lot of props and things, so sometimes it might make it hard to focus. But I want you to focus past all this stuff, because this is all just to help you get the picture of what I'm speaking about. What soil describes your heart best of these four? If you were to look at these, is it the bad soil? Is it the rocky soil? Is it the thorny soil? Or is it the good soil? Where are you right now? Or maybe, maybe like I said earlier, maybe some of you guys are in good soil in one area of your life, but in other areas, you're kind of going through this place where you don't understand, or you're caught up in the world uh, with the struggles, or you're caught up in the world with its passions. Maybe you're kind of still faltering on certain issues. We got to get real, guys. There's people in here right now that honestly think they're going to heaven. I mean, y'all think, hey, I'm going to heaven. I'm all right. And this is for you. This whole thing was for you. Because I'm here to shake your world up and say, hey, if you think you're going to heaven, the first thing I'll tell you is this. Take a look at your root. Take a look deep inside and say, am I really rooted in Christ? I know God's my creator. I think he's my savior, but I really don't know he's my Lord. Think about that for a second. Is he really your root? Is he your root or is hip-hop music your root? Is your friends your root? Is your job your root? Is this church your root? Because it's got to be Jesus, only Jesus. You can't share a root with other things. 
And then after you look at that and you say, well, I feel like I'm rooted in Christ. Okay, well, I'm going to take you a step further. Then take a look at your fruit. Is it absent fruit? That's where a lot of us fall in. We have no fruit. We have nothing going on. And Jesus is saying, I'm giving them time before I cut them down. Give them time before I figure out, you know what, they're not saved because they haven't shown me anything. I'm giving them a little bit of time like the scripture says. Maybe you have absent fruit. Or maybe some of y'all are living like this. Your fruit just looks like, I use Beyonce as an example. It looks just like the world. No one can tell the difference. From the outside looking in, it looks just like the world. Or maybe, maybe it's just good stuff, but your heart's not in Christ. You do it to be seen like the Pharisees, and you do it like to be seen just like a lot of people in the world, but it's rotten. But when you stand before God, it's just going to be acts, but you never did it with the heart of Christ. Or is it good fruit? Look at your root. Look at your fruit. You know, these seeds were birthed. And the Bible says in Proverbs 12, 12, it says this. It says, the wicked desire the net of evil men, but the root of righteousness yields fruit. Every person in here, if you're not wicked, the Bible says you're righteous if you've committed Christ in your heart. That means you should yield a harvest of some type of fruit, some type of good fruit. That's what the Bible tells us. But if you look in the book of James, and I'm not going to go through the whole scripture, the sum of that in James chapter 2 says, if you have faith with no works, no actions, nothing, you're dead. And when it says you're dead, it has a dual meaning there. It's talking about you're spiritually dead, and it's talking about your faith is dead. So you're done. You're a dead deal. Because you have to produce something if you really believe on what you say. So I'm going to ask you guys, if you guys could stand with me, I'm going to pray. And I'm just going to ask anybody here that wants prayer for any of these areas. It's, it's, it's appropriate we put these like this because there's some of you guys that can literally relate to what's going on here. There's people here ready to pray with whoever here needs prayer. But if you have areas in your life where you're struggling right now, you don't understand the word, right? And you're struggling trying to understand God's Bible, God's word, and you feel like Satan's stealing stuff out of your life. And this could be anyone from a doctor to a scientist to a lawyer to someone in government. It could be anybody. Um, you can be anybody in this room, a natural person, and you're struggling with understanding God's word and you feel like you're tugged even to come to church. I want you to think about that and pray about coming up here for prayer. Or maybe you're at this point in your life right now where you have rocky, a rocky ground. Everything in the world's eating at you. Every single problem you go through threatens your Christianity, threatens your faith, threatens your struggle. You struggle with coming to, to, to church, to talking to a pastor, to, to staying right with God. If you're struggling with worldly things and, 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 and with regards to worries and, and just things that happen every day, I want you to start praying about that and start thinking about that right now. And then there's that group of people that, man, the thing eating you up is the world. The world is just, you know, man, they, they got a good package to offer. It looks good, it sounds good, it smells good, it tastes good. And you're just struggling with a lot of sins in your life. You're just struggling with not having to stay stuck in the world anymore. You know, if that's you, you know, I want you to, you know, begin to meditate on that. And then there are those, those that have the good soil. You feel like we're there. We got the root. We got the good soil. And then my question to you, my prayer for you, for you would be, are you producing fruit? And if you are, where is your fruit? What is your fruit? Because if your fruit's not there, then I can guarantee your root is not right there either. It's one of these other three. What is your heart made of? Bible says in Psalms 139, search me, O Lord, O God, know my heart and know my thoughts. Test me and know my thoughts. I'm going to pray right now, and then as I begin to pray, I'm going to ask anybody who wants prayer, special prayer, to come up here and literally stand by the area in your life, and maybe it's more than one area, or just stand where you like, and actually come and pray before the Lord. I have a lot of these seeds, and they're seeds here. These seeds are the word of God, the message of salvation has been spread to you guys through ages. For some of you guys, and for some of you guys, it's just something that's happened recently. But my point is, 
the more seed, the more chance it's going to harvest. So for some of you all, you've heard seed after seed after seed, and you've never, ever made a decision not only to accept Christ, but to be invited in him and to bear fruit for him. So I'm going to encourage you, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you've never, ever taken the seed that people have preached to you and taught you about, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. So that's your first prayer. But for those of you that have, and you've said you've accepted Christ, but you're not doing these things, I want you to come forward. I'm just going to pray right now. And as I pray, I'm just inviting the altars to be open. I, I, I pray that you guys would let God touch your hearts today through this word so that it would not be something you leave and continue to live in the wrong places of life. Father God, I thank you right now. I thank you for lives. I thank you for those hearts right now that are beginning to be touched to the embers of their soul, Father, that you are beginning even now, Lord, to touch hearts right now of people that have been coming to church, people that have been acting like they're Christians, acting like they're even saved, God. But in reality, Lord, they've been struggling. They've had dry ground or they've had rocky ground. They've had thorny ground. They've produced no fruit or they've produced worthless fruit or bad fruit, God. Lord, I'm here to tell them through your word that this all means that they're all on the same path and that's hell. I'm here to tell them, God, that, that, that that's not going to amount to anything in the end of it all. It's just going to look pretty here, and, but it's not going to look pretty in the end of it all, God. And I just pray if there's anybody here today, God, if there's anybody here today, Lord, as we praise and worship and exit today, Father, I just pray that there's anybody here that wants to get 100% real with you, Lord, 100% real, God, with you today, that would not hesitate, God. I pray right now that even now as we're praying that hearts would begin to melt and say, God, I've been fooling people. I've been fooling you. I've been fooling myself. I'm not right. I know I'm struggling with some of this stuff. I know Satan's been stealing the word and the, the understanding of my mind for, for church and for the Bible. I know that I've been too concerned with the things of the world to, to, that I'm letting worry consume me. I know that I've been choked out by the passions of life. I know that I'm not producing anything right, any good fruit, Lord. Today is the day, God. I pray right now that you would come forward. I invite anybody here that wants to come forward for that right now. And in Jesus' name, I pray that you would come forward. Allow God to minister your heart. And we'll have some people up here to pray for you. We're going to let the, the worship team say a, sing a couple songs, and then we're going to close. Amen.